So today I'm joined by Graham. Uh, Graham is uh, an ex-member of the Defence Forces with 14 years service. Yeah. And you're the Operations Manager now with Transdev and the Interim Operations Director now. Yeah, currently, yeah. I'll, I'll be the Interim Operations Director probably till the end of this week alongside two others. But uh, yeah, kind of an Operations Duty Manager role is, is what I'm currently officially doing at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And are you in the Army long now, are you? I left the army in no October of twenty sixteen. I shouldn't came back from the from our uh, my last deployment overseas in the May of that year and left a few few months later. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in I'm in the Lewis since November. I left obviously left the left the yeah. army going to the Lewis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And do you remember your first day going into the army or? I do, yeah. And and the reason why it was weird because like it was only. Literally just passed the 18th birthday, and I was like right. a, a, an 18 year old mammy's boy. Like, yeah. you know, I had a touch of OCD as a kid, so it probably <laughs> helped me in a way when I joined the army, but yeah. it was an eye opener anyway. But it was because usually, as you know yourself, like when you start, everybody's in a big group. We yeah. came in the way, whatever way it was, so we came in two days after. Are you on the sofa, see? I don't know what way it worked. I was supposed to start in December 2003, right. and I ended up going in start of April 2004 so it was kind of a, a, a they'd give me a week's notice I think it was yeah and um, but I went in what was open but to get to Dundalk so I thought it was me my youth I thought I was going to train in Dundalk and get carrying bags and all I had to make me own way like I remember yeah. like, at that stage like I didn't have to I didn't have to travel like that in in Ireland like, yeah and getting Dundalk and then it was like a truck there and I was like brought on the back of a truck on the arm up to Monaghan and I was like this is all about oh, just naive, like yeah. I didn't really understand. I know family in the army, so there was no know. reference point where I could go and say, "What's the story of this?" or "What happens here?" or yeah. none of that. But I do remember. I remember it was a Wednesday. I went in, and it's that everybody else had started on the Monday, so I turned up. And in fairness, like I went into room, didn't know a single person, um, and everybody was very helpful. At this stage, I think there was two platoons. There was goals of 100 people like, in, in the barracks. Yeah. yeah, it was huge. It's closed down now. It's an educational centre now. Yeah, um, sure. But they educated me, I knew. But uh, <laughs> it was like, everybody was real helpful. And it was yeah. weird because you hear all the stories about being kept in for weeks in the whole lot. I had this in my house. Like, I was saying goodbye to my man and dad. My sister and I thinking like, never going to see him again. Never <laughs> again. And then Florida was back home. Like, for yeah. the first couple of weeks, I was just bedding in. They let you go home on the yeah. weekends. Until it all kind of changed, the boot goes in after their three weeks. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I remember it was kind of like hectic. I remember just dragging bags. I didn't know what to pack. Like, you yeah. they don't give you. It's not as if they say bring this. So he brought me whole life and yeah. two bags, dragging it across yeah. bus stops and, and up the keys and down up the bus areas and all. But that's that's my first experience. It was an eye opener. Like and now, in fairness, people help you. You know, simple things like yeah. things that you never done. Like I didn't know what bread was. And lads are there shaving it and shaving it and give me a big output. Like you see from day one the team up mentality and everything it's like all for one, one for all, like no one people following behind. I yeah. think that's the way I suppose. What force prompted you to join the army? Like were you involved in sports or like were you being was, I don't know. I don't know. I remember having a conversation with my dad around before my junior cert and telling him I wanted to leave school. I was never big into school, like I went to a yeah. secondary school for first year and I just I just hated it. And I ended up change in secondary skills at the end of first year going to another one and which is grand they adapted it was kind of always a chatty open person played sport this and the other so sport is kind of my inroad into yeah. i suppose open discussions with people like I, I, I have a decent enough knowledge about football that some people might say I would um but about sport in general and that was yeah. my kind of i'd always try to find common ground with people like yeah like whether it was to do with, the only thing i ever enjoyed in school was like history and 
geography outside of that and now they're an interest I'd yeah. always take the easy route which I suppose I regretted later on in life I wish I had done more with it but and it's probably that experience that I pass on to my kids as well yeah. but um, I don't know why I wanted to leave after the junior shirt my dad said you can leave if you get an apprenticeship that you're going to stick to and at that stage I was like looking at mechanics stuff and all and I'm yeah. glad I didn't have time because I don't think that's just for me like I, yeah. I, it's just not for me I think I maybe I would have done that then not like that and left and, and probably being a rock and a hard place. Like, yeah. But I think it was like, I always grew up looking at like action films and all and that's any kid yeah. does. Like, yeah. But I was like, like, I actually wanted to join to do an apprenticeship in the army yeah, yeah. and like, promise the sun moon stars to you and yeah. to be able like, you do this and you do that. Never, never turned out. I probably applied five or six times and here probably realistically the people who got the jobs ahead of me probably deserved them more than I did. I had better yeah. ability to do them. You know the age range in the army, like, like seventeen to about thirty odd. Like. Yeah. So I kind of just joined, just wanted to do something, and maybe I seen it as kind of a grow phase, and and uh, hopefully see the world, which lucky enough I did. To a yeah. point, like not the did, same way the world. Did you finish the leaving cert? Uh, did yeah. yeah. I did during the leaving yeah. And like I just I knew I was never going to go to college at that age. Mm. At that age, I ended up going to do college when I was about mid to late twenties. Like, but it was in employment and stuff, which is even harder. Yeah. But because of this light skill so much, I was just happy to live. I wanted to go into a job that I could do. Yeah. And I was kind of seeing the army. I didn't want to go into a job. I wanted to go into a career. Right. Yeah. And at that stage, it was. It's probably a lot easier to get into the army now than it was back then. So yeah. we went through the whole process in two thousand and three. Um, yeah. And it was it was hard to get in. I remember me, me fitness test in the Phoenix Park and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, all this type of thing. I was still quite young, nervous, didn't know where I was going, all that type of thing. But uh, I wanted to have a career, not a job, if you get me. And I yeah, wanted yeah. to, I was looking at to say, well, I get through the hardship of the first initial years and then maybe yeah. I'll get an opportunity to do this and see the world and, yeah. and that kind of thing. So that was my mentality. I never, I didn't have any art. Any Kind of great grandfather was in the army yeah. back in like, the year dot like kind of thing but <laughs> I have no reference point I didn't right. know anybody in the army at that stage yeah you just kind of signed up yeah I just wanted to do something out. I wanted to do something that I suppose I could do myself and I suppose make my family proud and stuff like that yeah definitely yeah. Yeah. and then so you're in Monaghan then for were you in Monaghan for the whole six months or was it where did she start no no I was in Monaghan for the whole thing and then at the end of it um, the way they did it the, 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 I remember the 27 battalion where the lead the owner gone to Liberia at the time okay and because of that, and the place was going to be scarce up there, they actually kept us. So the lads who were going to the second battalion right. went to the second battalion. Yeah. The lads who are staying in the twenty seventh battalion obviously stayed there between there and, and Dundalk. Yeah. Um. But the the I was going to the fifth battalion. That was where I wanted to go. Yeah. Um. Even though it was from the south side, I was thinking I didn't drive at the time. And okay. The natural thing it was easier to get to. Yeah. It was one bus rather than two, and at that time we didn't have bus connects and transport like we do now. Like yeah. so. There was one of them things I was like, well, I can get one bus to McKay and then you take the chance. But uh, I remember they kept us up there. The lads who were going to the fifth time, they kept us there for a while. I can't remember how long it was. Could have been a month, could have been two. It was a long time ago. But yeah. they kept us there for a while. But between the whole lot of us, I'd say the, the guts of the year up, up in Monaghan, like, right. it, it was kind of different after, obviously, you pass out and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We didn't kind of get two feet forced into the 27 Battalion, but okay. it was weird because, you know, you're so used to the screaming and shouting of it yeah, and, stops. and then it stops and then people talk to you and then it's like being able to go and kind of being the I suppose the decision maker yourself rather than needing permission to do something you could kind of make your own decision so yeah that was kind of that I think we came down in November of 
2004. Yeah, so November, December. I remember we were down a couple of weeks before Christmas, so it probably would have been the start of December. Yeah. Did but you get any courses then in? Uh, no, the no, no, we were kind of just yeah, we were down the Jewish because like most of the, the places like Ghost Town because yeah. most of them had deployed overseas to, to Liberia, which was one of the main main overseas deployments at the time. So we were kind of making up the numbers and filling in for them until I suppose other people came back and, and they kind of got the numbers where they wanted. Really. Were you long then waiting for your first overseas trip then after that then? Or? No, I went overseas. My first deployment, when I went overseas to Kosovo, it would have been 2006. Six, oh, yeah, two years. Yeah, not even two years, probably. I think I went over. I actually went over. There was the October deployment to Kosovo, right, yeah. and I remember I went on the first, the 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 pre, the first shock. Yeah. And um, so you know, you go over a couple of weeks earlier, and I yeah. stayed till kind of it was nearly the advance party I went over. On. Oh, right, yeah. It was just like I was a rifleman over there. Yeah. Um, which was grand. But I think all in all, I probably did over seven months altogether, like because I went over on the side the, the early deployment. Instead, yeah. till the very last, last, last shock at that time, um, I know kids obviously I was yeah. young, it was yeah. I didn't have that type of money. Uh, like, yeah. part of the decision making was obviously financial at that time, like, yeah. Not really experience with having money on money kind of thing, like, because you know yourself coming out of crew train, it's not, it's not as if you'd be filling your pockets full of money, kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah. So, uh, do you remember what you spent your overseas money on, did? Car, personal question. Car, yeah, <laughs> you know, car, yeah. What kind of car did you get? I, bought, I went into a showroom. I remember up in Newlands Cross and bought a Subaru Impreza out of the showroom. And, uh, it was nice for a while, yeah. yeah. And you realise you don't have overseas money and how am I affording this? But I remember I had it for a while and yeah. it's like that bush. Young. And in fairness, like there's no real, I don't think it's a bad thing. If you're a single man with no no house, why not? Like, yeah. Because it's different then, I suppose, in the later overseas trips, there was mortgages to be paid, there was childcare, you yeah. didn't have that fl- fl- financial flexibility. Yeah. So, yeah, some people may say you threw the money away, we say I enjoyed it. I went on holidays, did me bits and yeah. pieces. Yeah, that was my It's recommended that you kind of blow the force on, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I'd always say to well, people, like, well, even yeah. when I was serving, like, lads going on that force and you'd be just having chit chat with them, or if you're overseas and there's lads on that force deployment and stuff, yeah. like, like, I was lucky enough, I did a few trips overseas. Um, but, like, Lads would be on it, and I'd probably say to them, not blow it, but do something that that's you'll remember. Like, oh, I, remember I don't remember doing anything other than the holiday and going to car, like, yeah. but it was probably just to have that. Yeah. Like, and at the end of the day, I came back, I was, I was probably 20 when I came back from overseas. Yeah. Like, still, you, know, you, know, you think you're older, but it was probably even with the army, I'd always say to people, I don't think I started maturing until I was about 23. Like, it was yeah. probably, I probably did goods of five years in the army before I really kind of opened my eyes to the world and after having an overseas yeah. you kind of you settle into I suppose a mature phase of life like. yeah definitely I think when I came back from overseas I think I bought like a four years <laughs> and went to Mexico oh, so yeah, yeah. Same same to me. we went to America and bought an impressive yeah. like, and yeah. I remember your man I remember your man's face I remember going in my man yeah, my man with no no car at all like yeah. she's just I remember coming in, like, what was like 20, looking at the boys here with your mum, and you could tell your man looking at me going, what's <laughs> this lad coming in for? Probably cost a force. Ah, here, probably a big window. Yeah. God knows what I paid for it. Probably over, over the odds of what it was up for, like, kind of thing. But uh, that was my, my thing. And that here, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it, yeah. And so, you're back from overseas now, you bought the car and everything. You're back in, you're in the 5th Battalion now. 5th Battalion, yeah, yeah. What kind of courses did you get to do when you're in the 5th Battalion? Uh, I kind of did, I did, I did, like, 
yeah, frontline infantry kind of courses. Yeah. I did like a point five course. Okay. Uh, sixty mortar course. Yeah. I was never mad into signals type thing. Like I was kind of, I think it's a 50-50 split in the army. I think half half of the lads that you come across are great lads in the army. I used to have a petrified. Now give me a weapon all day long or whatever yeah. like that. But you hand me a singer radio. Now my fear would be having to put the information back into it. Yeah. Even towards the end, I think I think I only really became very comfortable on it. I put a lot of work into it before the NCOs course. Oh, okay. I kind of said right. I think I was, what, there's no point putting effort into stuff you know you can do. Like, I had a good base of fitness at the time. Yeah. I didn't have a good, I was like, right, how am I going to, map reading was one thing that I was always kind of flaky on, and that I ended up putting a lot of effort in before me NCO course and Singar, but right. didn't, I didn't do Singar courses and stuff like that. I was kind of a bit over-dependent on other people. But yeah. I did, like, ended up doing driver's courses and stuff like that, like that, that type of thing. And that's the kind of yeah. way I kind of went. Yeah. I think it was only a couple of years after I came back from my first deployment, I, I ended up going into transport. I came out of uh, the infantry unit. Yeah, I went into into fifth battalion transport kind of thing. Yeah, which was weird in a way because most of them are really old lads who've done twenty, thirty years, and I was like the young book in like so, yeah. which is grand. You yeah, see, the other side of the army, it's not as hectic and not as crazy, but yeah. as time consuming as any other role because still kept busy though, right? Yeah, very busy. Yeah, yeah, kept very busy. Did, um, so when you done your drivers course then, right? Because you went into transport. Did you do like your Jeep and trailer, minibus, and then did the whole lot. At that stage, one, did you yeah, at that stage, stage, I learned how to drive. So I think mm-hmm. I, started, I got driver's lessons when I was about nineteen. Christmas, I think my mum and dad got them to me. At that yeah. stage, it wasn't like now we do your ten lessons and all that. I think yeah. I got five, and, and I picked it up quick enough. I think between starting and doing my lessons and having a full okay. license was about seven or eight months. So I was lucky enough. Yeah. And uh, so when I did the driver's courses in the army, I had a full license. Yeah. But I did like like as like as you say the driver's course. Yeah. Um, Jeep and trailer, truck. And then you kind of split it, you know yourself, and you get the people either go and do, do like the. Mowags. Yeah, I ended up going and doing Mowags, like, yeah, yeah. So I went down, down to the court and did Mowag course. Yeah. So um, Mowags, that's like the personnel carrier, the armored personnel carrier. Armored carrier, yeah. So you're looking at about 18 and a half ton fully laden, like three weapon systems, the whole lot on it, like, which is, like, you say that now to people, and like, even though you explain to people, like, what it is what it is? I yeah. think I used that in the interview going into the house as well. Like that, right. what do you do now? Like you're over and you think of what what my actual going into job interviews. And I always say to other people, don't tell them what the other five people come in. Like think outside the box. What can you offer them? That's the next fella can't. Like, yeah. And that was my kind of thing. I drove tanks. Yeah. You know, like which I did. Yeah. yeah. So it was grand. And it ended up doing three more overseas tours in my way. Yeah, yeah. On top of the one, so it was grand. Um and. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of my, I went down the kind of transportation role yeah. and stuff like that, and uh, that's kind of where I ended up. I, did, I, I didn't do an NCO's course till later in my career, right. but uh, yeah, I was, I was a private in, in, in transport and stuff like that. Where else did you serve overseas in Alex? Uh, I was in Chad, right. um, it was a good stint in Chad, and, and I did uh, two two deployments to, to Lebanon, like, oh, yeah. two different ones, yeah, so yeah. I always liked it. My actually when I was going over, I tried to get the most out of it. Like, yeah. Chad was kind of like a four-month trip, obviously, with being in Africa, the heat, taking the larium, especially in the nails here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. It's different than a kind of Europe. So I'd, I'd done Europe, and yeah. like I had the mix in Kosovo of your sunny, sunny summer and your really cold winter, like, yeah. which is like, outrageous. 
different variation of it. Yeah. And then I had Chad, which was a different animal altogether, like there in the Sahara yeah, Desert, like in a tent. And then you think of it like you're driving a, driving a Maui where like the, the heat coming off the Maui is about 120 degrees. We used to throw our food on the front of it as we drove. We used to do three hour blocks driving the Maui on the long distance patrols. Throw our food on it, and by the time you get there, it was cooked. There was no need for cooking or anything like that, which is mad to think about. Uh, yeah. And then you explain that to me, but that's just, that's that's just, it. That's just where, we, where we were at, yeah. And then as I said, I did, did a, a couple, of, couple of tours to the lab, yeah, yeah. What was your favourite trip out of Um. I'd say probably my last tour, my last deployment to the lab, solely because it was the only one I did as a, as a cargo. Right. Um, as I said, I had a good stint done as a private. The only kind of regret about about kind of the army, never was lame or anything like that, was I, I should have done an NCO's course much earlier, like that type of thing. Like, I, like, I wasn't, I was definitely no super soldier, like, but I always, I always found when you go into them courses, uh, like if you know the basics and you have a good base of fitness about you, then that was two big, big yeah. things, as you, as you know yourself. Like, um, but I, I regret not doing it earlier. I regret not having more time as an NCO and doing more tours overseas and yeah. being in that kind of role because, not that I'm saying I would have kept me there, but yeah. I would have probably enjoyed the last few years a bit more than probably I did. Like, yeah. But it was probably that, that tour, yeah. But in fairness, Chad was an absolute way over. Yeah. Hellish. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much the workload, just the heat. Like you're yeah. just dealing with like 40, 50 degrees. It's like we're Irish, we're not. We're not James. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not built for the heat. not built for the heat. No. Yeah. So uh, that was an eye opener. Like yeah. and obviously the rations type thing, and you weren't, you hadn't got freedom of food as what you you were very over dependent and stuff. Yeah. But uh, outside of that, like Cosmo was a really good trip as well because it's yeah. your first one and like. You see that, that type of that this is how it is and it's like you, you find your kind of uh your niche and yeah kind of your, your own responsibility and stuff like that yeah. like but kind of we all had their goals and bads like yeah but probably the last tour being being an nco yeah. did you find there was much pressure on you being over here like being an nco like being in like a management role or was it kind of no. similar like everyone uh, yeah i was comfortable in what i was doing so my last yeah. deployment though like as i said i did the first tour overseas as a rifleman, man and then the next three were all in a Maui girl, yeah. Maui driver, Maui driver, and then it was a Maui against Yao uh, at the last one. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really because one of the main things that I always really, really enjoyed in the army was 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 dealing with the Mauags. It was yeah. like because there was such a small number. Of, like it's not as if everybody in the army or everybody in some walk of life can say oh, I drove a tank, yeah, yeah. Like, which is great. And, and I remember, well, yeah, exactly. And it's it was really hard to get at the time. And I remember like. Like even we used to pick them up obviously in the current and stuff like that and you drive them to nice road and you thought you were a great lad and stuff like that <laughs> like, and people would be looking at it but like I see it now my, my young lad is eight and if he's seen them he'd be oh my god like it was great which is yeah. great but uh, no I always enjoyed that and I think I never felt under pressure being away in, in, in an NCO role because I was in the Mowags and at that stage I was confident in what, what I had to very do with it with very it. familiar with it I got on I always like to think that I had it a good rapport with people and I'd like to think of, even I brought that into kind of civilian life that yeah. always make sure you have a good rapport with people around you you're very and, and you, as you know yourself and anybody that, that, that you, you speak to in the army there's a very big over dependency on having a good core group around you because you yeah. can't be the lone you can't be the lone man like because yeah. that never really gets you good in the long term you have to be and it's one thing many people tell you as cheesy as it is that the, the army at times is, is more of a brotherhood and a family was still some of my best mates that are lads I joined with on eight years out of the, out of the army nearly then 
one of them was my best man at my wedding, all this type of thing. Like you never lose contact with them. You yeah. always keep that core core group with you that you kind of are friendly with for the rest. Because they understand you better because it's yeah, they definitely get you. Yeah. They definitely get you. I have some mates that I grew up with and like they have a certain percentage of understanding for you, but you can't really understand someone to the point where other lads are served that you can because you know hardships and expectancies and things like this that yeah. you come across. Like, you're constantly like with them together, like all like, the time. Yeah, like, like, like some, some lads, and at the time I used to say to myself, my last overseas tour, I was in a room with. Do you want your own farm now? Um, I was in a farmman room, yeah, oh, yeah, and there was me another NCO who was still one of my best mates, yeah. and two privates who we who were extremely good mates. And I used to say, I'll never. Never lose contact with this. Yeah. Unfortunately, that, that's just what happens. You think you're in this bubble, a military bubble, that you think that you're never not going to have the best of mates. And yeah. like, it's just unfortunate. Like, the way the world works and you live and stuff like that. Sometimes you have to leave these people behind yeah. and you end up having the only relationship you have with them is through social media and stuff like that. And you reach out, but it's like the things like I could bump into someone who served in town. And yeah. I've often done it. My wife would see and she'd be like, hey, is that you're hugging over there? And it's one of them things like, they're never not part of the brotherhood, like yeah. whether they're serving or gone, and it's it's great to see, and it's it's an experience people who never were in the army will never have. Yeah, it's, it's a very small minority of people. Like. The conversation always picks up that where it left off from, like the last time yeah. seen. Maybe you haven't seen for like three or four years. Like the conversation just picks yeah. up. Yeah, and it's they're never off. like it's like yeah, what are you doing now, and what are you doing, and you're yeah. hoping and wishing that they're in a good place and that they that yeah. they're doing well for themselves and that type of thing. But it's definitely one of them things, like as I said. Like, I'm nearly eight years gone. I could meet someone who I haven't seen since I left. Eight years. Yeah. And there's no awkwardness and stuff like that. You meet them in shopping centres or town or nights out. But as I said, it's 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 yeah. great when you come across them because it, you kind of feel, I wouldn't say you feel emotional, but you kind of have that bit inside you. You say, like, I'm glad that I met these people. Kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And you decided to leave then after 13 years? I knew going on my last deployment I was going to leave. Okay. I had a plan. Yeah, I knew it was done. I had a plan yeah. in my head and people who know me and who were overseas and we would be able to tell you that I had a plan and I'd right. always be I'm not the one I'd be organised to a point yeah my wife may disagree <laughs> but uh, I'd be organised to a point and I knew I knew me, me race had been run like okay. I knew as I said gone on my last deployment my young lad was 10 months old which okay. is hard it's the only tour I went on that I had a, yeah. a child yeah. um, other than that you have girlfriends and stuff but you can leave them not saying it's easy <laughs> to leave them but you leave them and yeah. in fairness like obviously had a conversation with my wife at the time. Uh, 2012, I went overseas to Lebanon and I was with, she was my girlfriend at the time, she's my wife now. Yeah. And she went into the war bubble, I went into Moyen. Yeah. And although you miss each other, yeah. you kind of find your own things. Like I always found, especially probably, I came home and, and the reason I, I, I knew I was going to leave after the last appointment, I didn't know I was going to leave as quick, but I had yeah. a kind of a six month plan in my head. Okay. And I remember I was coming home on leave and I didn't tell her I was coming home because I'd always come home and everybody was in the airport and I said to myself, yeah. I'm never coming overseas again. And it was great because I had that, I had that uh, calmness about me yeah. that I knew, yeah, I knew I was done, yeah. yeah. I knew my decision was made and that I came home as a surprise. <laughs> and nobody knew I was coming home. I told her I was going on a, on a patrol and I was on an outpost yeah. for a few days. Yeah, so right back in the door. There we were right back and she came in and she would say, what are you doing here? <laughs> Well, like as much of it was great, she found her routine. Yeah. Well, I wasn't there, and I kind of messed it all up. 
And as well, when you come back, like you say to people, it's hard when you come back because you've had your routine, they've had theirs, yeah. and then you're kind of in. And I left, I left when my young lad was, was 10 months old, left for the deployment, and at that stage he was a baby, and I came home and a few months later, and he was like crawling and stuff like that. And you feel guilty you've missed so much, but I knew I can't do this when I'm older. Yeah. So I knew that's... I knew I knew my race had been on. Yeah, that way. Yeah, and lads, it was overseas, but and, and they'd say and they'd tell them like I'm not coming back, I'm leaving, and they'd be saying, nah, yeah, and I said, I'm leaving. I know, I know I'm gone. I'm not. I'm done. Like the wheels in motion, and I'd kind of been putting a plan in place for myself, like and, and that that's what I kind of I did. Like, I, I did you just did you decide to leave like like kind of like before you went overseas, or was it while you're overseas you decided you're leaving? I'd say probably about six months before I went overseas. Yeah, you made an exit. Lucky enough for me, last overseas. Unlucky for one person, they had to, they were only over there for right. a couple of weeks and they came home. So I went over, I had no farm up to do. It was oh, one of them, okay. straight to the airport and gone. I was probably given probably a week's notice yeah. at that stage. And literally it was like, take a couple of days, pack your stuff. And I remember going home and, and saying it to my girlfriend at the time and stuff like that. Um, like I'm going over to sleep with men. And like, next Tuesday, <laughs> you say a Wednesday. Kind of six months. Yeah, but it was great. She backed me. She, yeah. Like she, she being a great backing. Like when I was leaving, she backed me. Although she was hesitant and it was hard yeah. when I left, and you have to come through your hardships to get your right. success. But um, it was grand. But it was one of them things I knew about six months before, and I took it on short notice, purposely because I said to myself, "This is my last one. Yeah. I know I'm gone. I get a few quid, and at least I live." In there. You're not. You're not gonna. You're not pulling up trades financially. The overseas money is obviously different than at home. Yeah. It's probably the main reason why a lot of people go away. Um, but that was kind of my thought process. And I'm okay. going to do this, do my last one, get it out of the yeah. system. And that's me. Like, you know, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And how did you... So you left then, you had a job lined up then. You started playing for jobs in your overseas, did you? Or no. was it when you came no. back? No. Uh, it was actually an off-the-cuff conversation I had with a friend of mine at, at someone else's wedding. And right. I... I, I insane kind of I want to live mm. I want to live I want to live and she was walking she was actually leaving she was walking in HR in the house okay. and she was telling me that there was driver's jobs was, coming up yeah. and I was like right and she told me this I'd spoken to her about this probably before I deployed overseas okay, yeah. and she said oh there's jobs coming up I'll let you know when they come up kind yeah, of yeah. because the Lewis is not the type of thing where like you see Dublin bus going around now and on the front of all the buses we're hiring we're doing this Lewis is never really that type of thing. And I, I wanted to live and go into something again. I left the army at 31. Yeah. I wanted to go into something that I could see as a career. Like when I joined the army, I thought that was me for life. And yeah. obviously, things change. Yeah, situations can dictate then. But um, I wanted to go into something that was a, a career. And I could I seen this as a career. Yeah. Um, and that's what I did. And she said to me when I came back from overseas, there's a, it was probably only had a few weeks notice. I'd say probably six weeks there's a, there's a driver group starting oh. sending your CV I was, she was like I'm leaving before Christmas this was starting in November so I was like right and I applied and lucky enough I came through the interview I was fine did the interview obviously while I was still serving did yeah. that and um, I got the job so obviously I had to line up then I didn't tell anybody in the army like, right. I wanted to I didn't want to say I was gone because like that as you know yourself yeah. you tell people you're leaving Sometimes it doesn't work out, and you end up kind of in a rock. And, and it's not yeah, a judgmental yeah. side of you, but uh, he's always gone. And this you get a stick. Get yeah. a stick, yeah. You get a stick about anything. Yeah. But I said to myself, now I'll, I'll let them know when we have an official okay. offer and contract from the Lowestar. This is your starting date, 
and this is your job. Okay. Yeah. Because I had to do a medical, obviously, to leave the army. I had yeah. to do a medical to go to the Lewis, yeah. to do all this. And lucky enough, it all lined up, and, and I, I probably had about a five-week window of it. You got the job in the Lewis, and then I had to do, I had to, like, call in favours, really, to get me me kind of exiting uh, medical done and stuff like that to make sure it was all going forward from the start because I couldn't miss it like, and yeah. I, I made the decision then I'd had the conversation with uh, with, with my fiance at the time we were married yeah. um, and I decided so it was all all go and, and then when I eventually had that I remember I remember going in and, and, and telling them that I was leaving and, and that was that really kind of thing I hung my hat on it and, and, and the way I went and like I, the way it worked because I'd saw, I'd leave and I'd this that and the other and the whole lot I think I think I was still technically in the army for the first six weeks of when I was in the Lewis like yeah so that's how it kind of works yeah there was, there was an eight week training course for for a Lewis tram driver like so I think towards the end of the training I was actually officially gone I did my official exit and date kind of thing like yeah, yeah. Um, and that was that like and I think I was officially gone the middle of December and that, that was that that was off 2016 like yeah. and bearing in mind I'd only come home May 2016 from overseas yeah. like, so it happened for you pretty quickly like, once you happened. And I think it was better that way because I think if I had too much time to think about it there would have been a higher chance of me changing my mind or yeah. Kind of because, as you say, the word you probably other people in, I was institutionalized that's a, that time, yeah. and I had a definite 80 20 split 80 percent we wanted to live, and 20 percent was really really scared about leaving because yeah. it was all I knew. Like many other people who do, I think it's different, not that it's different. I think people who do three, four, five, six years they live and they live a bit easier than people. And as you said, I yeah, over 13 years done. It was a huge change for me. Like that's all I knew. Yeah. And the fear is, if it doesn't work out, you can't just go back and knock on the door and say, "Just give me a job back." Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was in the. Yeah, I was in that four week window. Yeah, but I think mine at this stage was saying myself right, and a part of me was pride as well. Yeah. And like that, you go back and and. Oh God. Oh, yeah, I'd say you did, yeah, yeah. And then I'd say you got more stick when you're a leader. So you're going to get Yeah, you don't watch that. But I wanted to be the type and I was always like very clear in my decision making that this is what I'm doing and I'm leaving and I'm gonna make it work. Yeah. Right, wrong, or different. And that's what I did kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So November twenty sixteen I started in the Lewis and it's a very So it's it's an eight week training course then you used to be a Lewis driver. Yeah. Um, is it like is it hard like the training that you go through with the other is that handy enough for? No, it's not handy. Um, <laughs> and people at this, this yeah, it kind of looks like you're just sitting in the cabin, and push the yeah. Yeah, what do people say? Pushing the apple kind of thing, but it's yeah. not like that at all. No, and 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 I think I think it's in a way I've said this I said this before to people like I think Lewis drivers and soldiers are kind of in the same bracket of people don't really not that they don't respect it enough. They should do, but I don't. I don't think they understand the role, and that like that it, it's harder than what you think. Like, um, yeah. but the 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 little training was an eye opener. Like it was yeah. my thing was the concentration level needed. Obviously, you're driving a tram, like yeah, fifty meters long, a couple of hundred people on it. You're leading that tram at the most. Like what was the like, driving the truck or my wife? Like, I say eight to twelve people in it. That type of thing, yeah, where now you have hundreds of people you are driving that. And and it was like the, the fatigue, mental fatigue, now when I'm tired it's like it at the start. It was yeah. just I couldn't believe it. Like it was just so it wasn't physically draining, it was mentally, mentally draining for the pure concentration level. And that does go, not to saying your concentration level. It's like you're you're psychologically <coughs> excuse me, able to deal with that a bit more. Yeah. And you start to learn 
although we are hyper focused that there's certain areas depending on where you're going through you know like coming into traffic the segregated areas of line that you know you can kind of relax a little bit more and other areas you're saying right yeah sitting up and, and always going the whole time because you know there's a higher chance of traffic in the area and signals and buses and trucks and stuff like that yeah. and you're trying to avoid any any conflict or any incidents like but it, it, it is hard the, the, it's it's one of them things and you have to be comfortable in in your own environment because you're in the cab for up to three hours 45 minutes at a time right. driving the train that's what it takes to get from no so 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 the, 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 the kind of the agreement would be and it used to be over four hours so yeah uh, like a shift can be can be ranged between seven to nine hours okay, yeah. six to nine hours the longest you drive a tram for any one stage would be three hours 45 minutes okay you have to have a minimum of a 30 minute break kind of thing like um but three hours 45 is a long time on your yeah. own the mind is gone if you have to have a bad day you're overthinking it in your head if you have personal issues you're overthinking it in your head yeah. it can be either some people are great and i'm happy in my own company like, yeah. but like well i thought it was much more happier in my own company but then when you're on your own the whole time you have no choice no matter yeah. you're craving for an old chat basically and like there's no the only radio in it is your moral there's no like radio radio there's no yeah. like music gone nothing like that at all you're just there looking ahead of you yeah people behind you dealing with whatever goes on and that's you and you have to be kind of focused like so it can be quite physically and mentally draining like. how did you find then that like transition away from being surrounded by like people even like when you're driving the army yeah. people in the cab yeah. talking, talking away like how did you find that like not having that team around you um, I said this to me before, the only way, I'd say for the four or six months, when I was on my own after the initial eight-week driver's van yeah. in the Lewis, I had such a huge sense of homesickness. Like, right. uh, I used to be dri- say, driving the tram through town and stuff like that, and like you'd see lads that you said and stuff, and I just, I just felt so sad. Like, well, I used to be like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, yeah. like you're battling with your own kind of demons that don't exist kind of thing. Yeah. Because I just always felt like, homesick like, what have you done what have you done yeah. like you, you miss it and you miss them and, and you're looking at them jealous of them being in but they're probably more 90% looking at you jealous that you've left and yeah. I'd like to think that like a couple of people have probably said it I think I'd probably lay the foundations for other people to live because when I step, kind of start making a success for myself yeah. I think people then after said there is a life after the army like the, the people can make a success of it and I'd like to think that people can look upon me and, and, and other people who've left yeah, no matter what they're doing like like everybody lives for different reasons yeah, like, and everybody lives for different jobs some people are more successful than others but you'd like to think that you're kind of laying, laying a foundation or a pathway for people to really see saying there is a life out there yeah. it's not going to be easy it's it's going to be hard at times you have to have the hardship to get the success yeah. but it's a possibility you can live and you can make it a success like, and people have left after me and I've talked to them and they say oh, I yeah. left and it was hard most people have the same kind of six month phase where they have that sense of homesickness yeah. and, and fear really to be honest until you kind of say right it's done now move yeah. on this is your life now this is your career look ahead not behind yeah. although as even now, like as I said, I'm nearly eight years gone, I come across people and I love coming across people, I love coming yeah. across army lads. And like that, like we probably hadn't spoken since we were back in the seventh Since back in the seventh Italian, but yeah, I could sit here all, all day, you have to, yeah. and it is what it is. Like, yeah. people, yeah. I think we're at for an hour for yeah. a Jobs change, but yeah. people don't, like, you have to change for your job and the role and stuff like that to a point. Yeah. But the car, the car 
kind of emphasis on you is, yeah. is the same person and, and you have you share shared experiences yeah. shared hardships and i'm always more comfortable talking to army lads that's a villain yeah and even at that now like and, and i do think it probably goes against me to a point where like i'd like to think that i don't really have no i don't really have a gray area i'm quite black and white when it comes yeah. to certain things like because you, you have a certain ignorance around you maybe or you can be yeah, perceived having a certain ignorance around yeah like um, because like i can't like i'd like to think that if there was a situation happened that i am quite calm in my decision making yeah i'd definitely say that people would agree with that and it's not probably talking to myself up it's just yeah. you're always going to come across instances no matter what job you do where yeah. there's a heightened sense of expectation pressure yeah but i kind of feel comfortable doing, doing things like that but it's, it's definitely a thing where we actually do something, I just want you to do it. Like, I yeah. don't want to have a discussion with it. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm asking you to do. And very militarian. And I probably yeah. like that at home as well. Like, but you kind of can never leave them certain parts behind you. And I'd be very surprised that anybody who's done a good stint in the army can live and just be a different person. And it's like, like it's simple yeah. things like, I don't, I'm asking you to do it. I want you to do it. Come back to you when it's done. And yeah. it's very similar to the army. Like, and you kind of have to be, depending on the role you're in. Um, delegating things and stuff like that you always have to have that certain yeah, s- certain kind of percentage of you where you can kind of see both sides of the coin and take on board yeah. guidance and stuff like that but at the end of the day you need a job done right you want the job done you want it done right yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it because military leadership and like civilian leadership or management even as well more so is than leadership it's uh, like in the army it's like do that I want it done now I want it done the next 10 minutes right Whereas, like, it's in civilry or whatever, it's like, oh, can you do this? Or, yeah, you're would, asking, you, would you mind that afterwards? Yeah, look, like, like, in the army, especially when you're, like, yeah. especially, you know, except when you're an NCO, you're not asking someone to do something. Yeah, you're telling them to do it. Whereas, like, in civilry, you can't tell someone to do yeah, something. It's like, because you're it's, asking them to do it, but you're actually telling them. Yeah, to do it. like, as you know, we went PD4, went, like, PD4, and not, yeah. not that I really asked for anything, but yeah. I probably went 13 years never needing them, but they never came near me, whereas civilian. Civvy Street and like big, big companies are very unionized, collective agreements, that type of thing. And it's a completely different world you're working in. And, and even to the point where how you approach a person, not a situation. Like in the army, you would, like someone who outranks you, you wouldn't tell them no. Like, yeah, yeah, you just get done. It is what it is. There, yeah. That's it. Like, and you might not be happy about it, but you go and did it, you'd be giving out, you'd be coursing yourself, and you'd be coursing <laughs> them and stuff like that. But like you can't really have that approach. Although you you need jobs done in city street, you kind of have to approach the situation and the person different. And sometimes you're taking that feedback just to let them think that they have a bit of feedback. But realistically, you need the job done. You need the job done. And if having a quick five minute conversation about what they're viewing it is, that's grand. Yeah, yeah. But this is what. Yeah, and it's like that. And you're gonna deal with that no matter what role you go into. I know you have that. I'm sure. There's people who outrank me in my, in my job who probably allows me to a point where they might take on board my opinions, but at the end of the day, I'm still leaving the office at a room doing exactly what they're, they're asking me to do, no matter what my kind of feedback is. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. Like There's yeah. there's more of a discussion around it rather than a delegation kind of yeah. thing. Like, and you've pro- so you're progressing trans dev or the Lewis, with the Lewis. Yeah. Anyway, um, how long were you a Lewis drivers for? A Lewis driver for sorry. I was a Lewis driver for about eighteen months. Eighteen months. Okay. And that's the motion was pretty quick, so yeah. Yeah, it was quick. Yeah, I can't remember. It was fifteen or eighteen months I was driving for. Yeah, I was one of the other. Um, but at that stage, I had this kind of five-year plan in my head saying, yeah. "I'm going to go into the, into the Lewis. I'm going to drive for five years, and then I kind of want to start looking for a promotion after that." Yeah, but I kind of realised 
after about probably a year, I was yeah. like, I can't do it in four years. Like, <laughs> right. Um, it's been on your own for a day. Yeah. That as well. And, and, and personally, at the time, my father was going through a, a battle with cancer. Oh, so I was struggling on my own in the cab, kind of thing, to a point where, like, too much time to think. Yeah. What if this? What if that? What if this? And you're playing this constantly over, which is even more mentally fatiguing than, than kind of anything. And I was saying to myself, and I remember actually, I applied for a couple of jobs as a security guard. Um, I was going to leave the Lewis, like, yeah, yeah. And I remember I, I applied, and like, at this stage, I didn't know what LinkedIn, I'd never had to do a CV. Because, you know, if I've gone into the army, I don't need a CV. Oh. Realistically, did I do a CV when I was going to the Lewis? Probably a very basic one. I hadn't got a whole lot that I had to put down it. It wasn't as if I was going in with yeah. four page essay, I've had these five jobs. I've been in the army since I was just about 18 yeah. and now I'm looking to drive the Lewis. And that's a big problem as well, like lads just don't Yeah, there's no education on that, like, and it's yeah. a big thing. Like, I know we spoke, like, there's a pre retirement course, but I always viewed it as it's for people 21 years and done or 31 and that were leaving. Yeah. It was never something that was offered to me, it was never something that I looked for. And like you think of it now, not many people in the army do 14 years now. It's very much a short term. It's not a career. It's a yeah. job. It's a five-year thing. And gone. And yeah. use that as a CV builder kind of thing to go. But it's one thing, probably a negative of the army. They don't kind of educate people with service done that are looking to live. Um, it's all their own documentation. It's not really bringing you in to say, like, do you need tips for an interview? Do you need? Which I think should be because... Although you don't want people leaving, and I know they struggle for numbers at the moment, it's definitely yeah. not the job I joined in 2004. But you should still have that kind of emphasis on helping people with the decision making. If they've decided that they're gone, there's no change for them. Yeah. Help them on their way, don't turn your back on them. But I do think that there should be kind of, no matter how much experience or how much years you've, you've done, yeah. there's an obligation there to make sure you're a success when you leave. Like you don't want to see people falling on hard times. I'm sure yeah. there's many people who have left the army who have fallen on hard times. Which is very sad to see because, as we've said, it's more of a brotherhood. No matter whether you knew them or not, like at the time, at the yeah. height of the the numbers, I think there was nine and a half thousand people in the defence forces yeah. in, a, in a country with a population of five point one million or whatever it is. Yeah. It's a very very small percentage, yeah. and you should always kind of look after your own like type thing. Like, and it's probably one downfall of the of the defence force where they don't kind of prepare people yeah. for life after the army, like because you're going out completely blind. Like, yeah, it's tough, yeah. Um, yeah. And that is a, that's a massive problem we see, because like, yeah. lads will, like, you have all this experience, right? Like, you've got, like, even if you do, like, an NCO course, like, what is an NCO course? Well, it's, it's, it's a six-month robust leadership course. Completely. Um, like, in them six months, you probably gain more leadership knowledge than people who have been non-military in City Street for 10 years. Yeah. And then you do leave it, and you have your, your Carlo IT thing, which is big. When, yeah. And at the time, you think as a box taker, that's a college qualification and you can put it on that yeah. for the rest of your days, which is like uh, a defence forces leadership type thing. And some of the best leaders in the world, you look at America and all these other countries, some of the greatest leaders in the world have come from a military background. Yeah. You see so many Americans in, in big conglomerates, big businesses who, who served in Vietnam, served in the Force Gulf War. Yeah. It's huge and it's only really, you can definitely see like in, in the lowest, we would have a lot of ex-defence forces. Yeah. That's come from military police, infantry, transport, stuff like that. And they, they're, they're definitely, I wouldn't say they're different to everybody. They kind of have a different mentality and way of about themselves. Kind of yeah, thing. Like, it's just kind of to get the job done. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Get the there's job. less need for a big kind of beating the drum of, like, 
this is not the conversation, this is the kind of this yeah, don't get done. And it's not that you're going in to realms pointing fingers and, and telling people what to do, but sometimes you just need something done and it's done. And sometimes with lads who are ex army it's a bit easier. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. Sometimes other lads who never served are brilliant. They're great and yeah. you come across all walks of life as you know yourself in, in City Street from the small town and down the country to the hustle and bustle of Dublin City or Limerick or up the north and stuff yeah. like that. So everybody has different different mentalities yeah. and things. Definitely. And I think the army, right? The lads, like, like everyone that's been like through military training, like, they understand like the bigger picture. Whereas, like, if you're asking someone at a desk to just do something small, it might be like, oh, well, can someone ask them if they want to say, well, can you just yeah, do it? Yeah, but you're kind of a cog in the rail, really. Yeah. You kind of want to have that understanding that, like, your output helps someone else to help someone else. So you might be level two of a 10 part yeah. thing, like, especially when you're overseas, like, even simple things you ask someone. Say come back tomorrow. You ask someone to do a weekly on a mower, which is a maintenance. They're going, oh god, I don't want to do this. But realistically, that's so that the 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 vehicle is in a good place, so that if you're called upon a short notice, whether it's a, a quick reaction force or whether it's a long range patrol, that the, the vehicle that your that your home, that's your your yeah, that's your piece of like military equipment, that's in a good place. So you're asking them to do a weekly to make sure it's done properly, so that in a week's time that that's in a good place like the easy thing to do is not do it and stuff like that and then it goes out with the last thing you want is a breaking down or anything like that it's definitely not bigger not, headaches yeah. bigger headaches but it's a, it's a, people understand that it's a kind of cog in a chain and things like yeah. that where where uh, not that I'm saying history is different but in a way it is and it's probably the biggest eye opener for people who've done it probably a good few years in the army it's, it's nearly like um, you have to retrain your yourself and your understanding of people and situations really yeah. and your approach as well like sometimes I forget yourself and maybe you go a bit too headed into it into a situation and then afterwards you take you reflect on it you talk to yourself I should have done that like or I should have had me had a bit more decorum about myself that type yeah. of thing but sometimes you end up going back to the person that you once were and that's the end of it like you have yeah. to see the bad man comes out. <laughs> sometimes the bad man has to come out in order, yeah and that's an all walks of life like that happens everywhere. It well. is, yeah. You forget yourself. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it changes people's view on you. But sure, this yeah. is life. I mean, we, we just. It is what it is, right? It is what it is, yeah. Um, Grant, and you're the ops manager now and the interim ops director. What does your job consist of now on like a day to day basis? Um, so, on a day to day basis, so there's, there's three of us in my kind of shift rotation. So, yeah. it's kind of like we're all holding kind of what could be explained as an operations duty manager's role but yeah. like that as I said we're kind of holding the interim position as well and until the, to, to another couple of weeks yeah. the new director's coming in um, but kind of on a day-to-day basis the main thing is you're linking in it's the service delivery it's yeah. fast and you know, like it's, it's probably hard to explain but like you're linking in directly with with the NTA National Transport Authority yeah. TII Transport Infrastructure Ireland you're linking in with Dublin Bus, you're directly linking in with Irish Rail, you're directly linking in with Safety Department, you're ensuring that you have, you're linking in with the Planning Department, so yeah. you say it, like people probably don't have an understanding, like, like on a day, on a weekday, there's 64 different duties in the Red Care, say, 64 yeah. different duties. I'm not saying there's 64 trams out there, but yeah. like, there's 64 different duties. It's nearly a 24 hour thing, like because, yeah. and I'd have a lot of on call in it, and you'd be taking calls here and everywhere because, yeah, like something could happen during the night, whether yeah. it's an infrastructure issue with, like, say, like you link in like two main departments with, well, three main departments within the Lewis, yeah. you have operations, you have infrastructure, which is all the kind of 
yeah. uh, overhead power lines, elect- electrical side of it, that yeah. type of thing, and then maintenance, which is like the tram. So the tram goes through a service every 24 hours, doesn't yeah. go back online until it's being serviced, which is a big, big job. Like. Um, but like the main kind of role that I do now is kind of like service delivery. You're looking at, you're monitoring if there's any safety related instance, and yeah. um, kind of you have in between my role and the driver's role, there's a team leader incident manager role, so there's six of them. So they kind of link in, well, they've the direct, there's about 230 odd, 240 active drivers across the three depots, you Broombridge, Sandyford, are all green line, and then Red Cow is the red line. Um, so they're linking into the team leader and some managers, and then they kind of link into us, but you kind of work as an operations team. So an operations yeah. team would be the six team leaders and then the three of us who hold, hold my role. Um, and you're making sure that the service is out there on time, yeah. it's running on time, and like even down to the finances of it, so if a tram is not on time, there's a there's a financial impact on it then, okay. um, and that you're trying to minimise the financial impact, but providing a full service, and then obviously into it as well, like post event management. So recently we would have had Marley Park. You're providing um extra trams with the weekend gone, which would have been the other in Horland, yeah, and um, your liaison with the NTA, TAO, Irish Rail, Dublin Bus. So it's a huge. It's huge operation, operation, yeah. It's a huge operation, and it's a lot of people moving around. Seeing like like Transdev Northern alone has probably over eight hundred staff, like which is huge. And um, directly, we probably have about two hundred and fifty people directly yeah. to us. Like so, does everyone like go in like at the driver level and progress up, or do no. people come in at different positions? No, so there's other positions as well. Like revenue, um, yeah. Their 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 like revenue and security would be obviously you see the security guards out there. Yeah. The revenue would be able to take asking for tickets. Then they link into their managers who okay. link into myself. Um, so you've kind of a, although I'm an operations department, you've kind of an oversight of, of the whole company. Jesus, of the whole company, yeah, yeah. And you kind of have to have your fingers in a lot of ways, like you have to jump between both, and then you're linking in with HR and things like that. But like things like you're tracking like absence figures, absence percentages, trends and absence, um, financial impacts, trends and financial impacts, because you have to kind of see is there a decision that's being made that's costing the company money that type of thing like and you're kind of having oversight yeah. and you're attending meetings stuff like that like and like i think the big thing that we would have dealt with the last couple of years was the gar brooks concerts okay. so they would have been huge it would have been a right. lot of, like even patrick's day every year yeah like there's probably six months of meetings to build up to them big events pride all these type of things they're like they're huge like anything that impacts the running of a transport system in, in the sea you're involved in it yeah you'd be involved in it like, and yeah. are you just over like one line like the green line or no over, over the, the entire network yeah yeah so over the three depots as i said you broombridge and sandy from the yeah. green line broombridge is the lowest cross city that opened in 20 2017 it opened um so that opened then and i used to drive when it opened oh, stuff yeah. like that like which is grand because i and I think one thing that I suppose have in me, in me kind of locker is the fact that I understand what's going on out there. Yeah, and I understand the role of the driver can be very frustrating. Like, yeah. can be certain things that they're frustrated about that they escalate. Um, so it's I think it's good that I've come in as that, even though I did what year and a half is it? Yeah. I understand the role of the, the role of the driver, the implications of yeah. what the decision, what your decision in a, in an office in a depot. Yeah. many miles away can have on the driver and things like that and, and I think it's good that I'm glad I started from that, that yeah. level um, as I said I understand it's a, it's a hard job 
understanding what goes into it and then the other role in between I was in after I left the driver's role after 18 months I was an incident manager and came later and um, I did that for about 15 months and then I was lucky enough that I applied for the role that I got now and I, I was lucky enough to get it I started that in October 2019 and um, so realistically uh, within three, three years, years yeah you moved up the ranks pretty big so yeah I did yeah like so I'd be, I'd be like I'd be in senior management now and, and, and I sit on a lot of kind of bits here and there that, yeah. that have been great for me but I've had to learn as I went like because like yeah. I, I left the army with certain certain traits yeah. both good and bad but like uh, there's been kind of a lot of on the job learning and they're a great bunch of those like they, like people people have given me their time and that's all you can ask for with people is yeah, like definitely. their time and I'd always make sure that I, I, I remember that like and I'd say to you off like, two, two, two rules that I always go by is kind of like never forget where you came from yeah and Try to bring as many people on the journey with you as you can. Like, and, and I think if 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 everybody who left the army did that, then the yeah, civilian street yeah. would be a much better place for for military and ex-military people because it's always great to have an inroad somewhere. Like, and as I said, we have a, a lot of ex-military who've come in before me in the Lewis and after me. Yeah. Um, some make a success of it, some don't. Yeah. Some are a bit too much institutionalized, yeah. and that they, they end up either reverting and going back to the army or else leaving. But um, yeah. I think it's 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 great in order to have people in a business that are excellent yeah. because they understand you that much better. Like. Definitely. Did you know when you left the army right, and you went into Lewis, or when you became like a manager in Transit, mm. Did you have KPIs when you left? Yeah. And then how did you find right having KPIs in a job now where you probably would have never had KPIs? Well, even as a driver, you have a KPI. Yeah. Like, well, it's never pointed out that you have KPIs. Yeah, but like you, you have you, this you, target now. You have this target, so so like you have a timetable. So your KPI is to drive to the timetable in the safest possible way. Yeah. Um. So that's your main KPI. Yeah. Well, being on time. Yeah. And like the start times are very odd in 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 the Lewis. Like as I said, it runs like the the operation doesn't really settle down. Like it probably runs till about half one in the morning and yeah. starts at four a.m. But in between that window, there's a lot of maintenance mills. There's a lot of stuff going on. Okay. There's a lot of maintenance and infrastructure works online. Isolations in place from all the overhead power cables that you need. Substations closed off for people to walk on electrics yeah. for the guys to maintenance track repair. All this goes on, so it's twenty four seven. It's not as if like the force tram service is halfway in the morning right. from a depot, and um, but it's like a lot has gone on before yeah. that, like and a lot goes on, like but twenty four um, seven operation. It so, is yeah. a twenty four seven operation, yeah, and especially in, I suppose in my role, like as I said, like the weekend, like I would have been in work, I would have been on call. You're taking calls in hours. Like if incidents happen, you could be getting calls at one in the morning, two yeah. in the morning. You could have to go back into the depot. You could be doing all sorts. You could have to go in. So, like that's like a shift work. Like yeah. sometimes this is the sacrifice you have to pay. Like yeah, yeah. But um, dealing with KPIs, I always found in a way can be difficult because obviously it's new to you. I'm well used to it now at yeah. this stage. But at the start, it was alien to me. Right. Like, like you, you did a job, you were asked to do something in the army, you either did it. I didn't do it. Yeah. It was done or it wasn't done. You completed or you didn't complete. Where now there's no kind of like everything is tracked. Yeah. Everything is and like your systems, like most most big businesses, everything's tracked on dashboards and systems. So yeah. if you were not performing, like it can be seen, like whether that's the people in the grades below you, the people in the grades above you. But like sometimes I now I'd always I like KPIs because it gives you not a target but it gives you clear boundaries, to work clear boundaries. so you know that you have X, Y and Z yeah. and there's no 
it's grey area with that. These I got KPIs, yeah. and like KPIs that I work off would be like minimising cost of the business, uh, keeping our absence level down, monitoring it, and yeah. um, providing a service, having a full fleet, and um, out online, liaising with different departments, yeah. attending specific meetings. These are all things, and then like. If I was to walk into it now, say if we left the army and went into this role that I'm doing now, I'd probably yeah. find it quite difficult. Yeah. I think you need the foundation and you need to you need to have an understanding of a business, whether that's a transport business, excuse me, or whether it's a cyber security, whether it's IT. Yeah. I always think you need to build your foundation and I'm not saying you go in at the bottom, which is not the case. Um, but you always have to go into a business, so I always feel, and build your way up. But getting a greater understanding of yeah. the business what the decision making has the impact on other people around you. Like if you're going into something like, you know, a lot of people would join the army with a trade background yeah. and then they leave the army after a few years and go back and work on themselves. Yeah. So they're kind of self-sufficient in a way where they know their main KPI is to do the job that's there, to earn their money, do their tax, do their expenditures, do their VAT, all type like that. So that's fine. But when you're going into a business with hundreds, if not thousands of, yeah. Someone else's KPI might not, is not your KPI, but yeah. yet you link in with their KPI. So if you don't do the your KPIs, yeah. that has a negative impact on the people above you who reports them the Garhead offices in uh, in Paris in France. Yeah. So although you think you're doing a good job, like people above you and below you yeah. and on the same grade would be quick enough to tell you you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, which happens on occasion, but sometimes it, that may be a reset. Then you go right. Yeah. Right. Do you have a budget then, like a financial budget that you have to work within as well? It would be a financial budget, yeah. yeah. How did you find dealing with um, like finances and never having dealt with finances? In well, the see, there's a finance department in Transdev, yeah. which is great because they're obviously they keep you on track. They keep you on track, yeah. and as well, like this, like like most people's the raise POs in the procurement department. Yeah. So even something as simple as very simple, and we go out in the canteen breaks. It's yeah. not as if you just buy one. Like you have to raise your PO, you have to understand the cost of something, things like that. Um, but dealing with finance, so like it would be that I directly manage the budget, like yeah. But I'd have uh, I'd have to kind of liaise with people if I needed something or there was something coming up yeah. that I needed a specific budget for. I go to them, and then they they kind of write, this is your x amount yeah and then but as well like you have to you have to answer for that like if, if you spend it on one thing you make sure that you have the receipts for it you make sure that's justified yeah. you make sure that there's a need for it that's that's an advantage for the business like as i said micro webs big campaigns and depots people heat up their fluid like if you don't have have, have micro webs there or, or canteen facilities it has a negative impact on the workforce then because they can't eat their fluid which means then it's another headache. Yeah. So I'm, I'm using that as a as a as a very kind of yeah. run of the mill thing. Yeah. So that's kind of like I wouldn't be dealing with millions like or nothing like that. But my my budget would link in then with the the higher budgets and stuff yeah. like that. Like, but you'd have to be answerable for higher expenditure and stuff yeah. like that. Like, which is something I, I never had. Yeah. In the army, I never had to like because if you needed something, you went to someone and you got it, or you didn't get it. Simple as that. They don't they don't cash flow like those masks for me like having like yeah no like financial experience like I had like the academic had it from an academic point mm-hmm. of view and like ops in the army like is different to, yeah like, but like no financial budget and well lucky lucky enough now no matter what role I've had I never had to, had to deal with 
the financial paper money, like, yeah, paper yeah. money of it. Like it's never something like, like this. Yeah, like when I'm out, when, when I was a tram driver, you've ticket machines, you've parking bays, you've this, that, and you're and there's a revenue team there. And um, now it'd be kind of, it kind of links into my KPIs, the expenditure and stuff yeah. like that. And you see trends and like, um, standard fair notices, which is if you have don't have a ticket. Um, and how that impacts the budget of the company and things like that, like whether they're paid, so there's a certain time limit when they can pay them. People, not everybody on the transport system has it. It's not like Dublin bus where you get in the front door, yeah, and you pay the driver's it. there. It's an open system. Yeah, people do get on trams and don't pay. That's what the revenue and security they yeah. kind of monitor. What line has the most amount of non takers Just wouldn't say. But like it's it's like people from all walks of life, like it's not like it's some or just people, take a chance eh? some people are opportunistic and they just yeah. take a chance they might get away with it for a couple of days then they don't get away with it some people might get away with it for longer than others you might get on and then you've got genuine people like with the lead card system and the 90 minute fare people yeah. think they've tapped on then they didn't realise that they haven't it's not a big deal like, like yeah. once they, like, they have a justified reason there's, there's always a discussion that can be had yeah. not as if someone makes a mistake here yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's justifiable people and there's, there's situations that that occur. But then you have your your known offenders who I'm sure the revenue team would now be able to point someone out in the crowd. Yeah, that, that they are, that they always use the, the system. Yeah. It's very, it's not like London Underground where you have to go through the barrier and you have to tap on the Oyster card in London and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, like here, like it's not that it's an open system. Like so, yeah. and the tram stops at every single platform. Some of the trams are. 55 metres long, some of them are, 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 are short, or some of them are just, the driver's at the very front, he's not going to be able to know, he was yeah, on the very back door, or 50 yeah. metres away, kind of thing, so, but that's kind of the the, 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 the budgetary expectancy that we have, like, so, the be, okay. and then the information we get would link into other people's information, and there's always someone above you who, yeah. who you're answering to, yeah, and the snowballs, that type of thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, then, point, right, the last two questions then, right, so, um, the Army has a career then, would you recommend it for, like, someone leaving school or, like, you know, finishing up? I don't think the Army is a career. Yeah, um, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I don't think it's a career now. Yeah. Right, and, and, and I'm sure many people serving and not serving would probably disagree with that. Yeah. I just don't see the youth of today, I'm thinking me when I was 17 applying. Yeah. I view it as a career. I think now, I think it's great for people. Yeah. I do think. And I'd encourage anybody to do, like obviously you know your first contract zero for five years. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic thing. It's one of the best things you can have in a CV. It's one of the greatest experiences you can have. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, I don't think people go into it, like I went into it thinking, this it's is here for life. life. I'm here for life. And I just don't think people see it as that anymore. There's a lot, obviously, negativity yeah. towards the Defence Forces, which is sad because, like, listen, um, Everybody has different experiences of it. Yeah. But a fantastic experience. I had hard times, I had good times. Yeah. And then you, you, you go and things like that. But I don't, like, my young lad is eight. Yeah. And he keeps saying he wants to join the Navy and he's, oh, he's big into it and stuff. Like, like he's never known me to be in the Army. Yeah. But he never asked me nothing about the news. <laughs> always <laughs> asked me everything. Yeah, yeah. questions about the Army and all. Like, yeah. So, like, he, maybe out of every 10 questions you asked me, nine of them about the Army. Like, so I know, obviously, and I probably if I had if my father had been in the event, we would have been the same. Which he wasn't. Yeah. I, there's no point asking because you can't answer them. But where yeah. now I can answer them from, and I still have I'd like to think a very good knowledge of the of the defence forces and yeah, military yeah. and things like that. Um, 
but he he he'd often say, "I'm going to join the navy." Like and, yeah. and like, would you be happy for him to join? No, 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 I wouldn't, no. And 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 as I said, like he's eighteen, so it'd be another ten, nine, ten, ten years. But I'd love him to learn from my mistakes. Of I'd love him to go to college. I'd love him, and I think his mom would be the same. She'd love him to go to college. But she'd love him if he's going to leave to go into a trade, something that you can make as a career. Um, yeah. Because, you know, yourself, like the, the world now, you have, you have the Middle East is booming. Um, Canada, America, yeah. Australia, all these type of things. If you have a trade background, you can walk in, but and you know yourself. Yeah. You probably know 100 people like me who have gone to Canada, gone to America, gone to Australia, gone to Saudi, gone to yeah. all these all places, places yeah. and made a great life for themselves on the back of a trade. Yeah. Where I'd love them to do something like that or or else have that as a, a key skill kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't know, like I said I just say to people, it's a great experience to have zero to five years, have five years yeah. if you can get an overseas. I mean we know we do stints in Port Leash, we do things like that, all building blocks, all building blocks to yeah. a future career, to yourself. Um but I I see it more of a short term job than a career, being honest yeah. with you. Um, I think if I was me now at 17, 18, yeah. I probably wouldn't join. I'd probably be more looking towards the guards, the fire brigade, that type of thing. And it's not to turn people off it. I just don't think, and I'm judging it from what we joined in, yeah. Yeah. in the boat three, start of boat four. It's definitely not that job anymore. It's very, very much monitored by guidelines, monitored by rules. Now, we should have guidelines and rules in all jobs. Yeah. But you have to remember it's an army. It's the army. Yeah. Like has to be a bit different. It has to be a bit different. It has to be screaming and shouting. I think society has changed definitely over the last five to ten years rather than what would have been when I joined. You have to be very much be careful about your P's and Q's, how you approach people in situations. Yeah. Um, but I just I, I, I just don't think that um I think that's maybe why the Defence Forces is struggling for numbers because people just don't have the same mindset on it and the same kind of views. Um, definitely even if you did five years it's an advantage as I said if you yeah. if you were 18 or 19 you did five years and left it's great to have in your CV the yeah. opportunities that you have and it can change like I don't know what I'd be doing if I didn't join the army let's be honest with you yeah. um, I don't know what I would have done I don't think I would have joined the guards I don't think I would have joined I'd probably be in a job that I hated yeah. and I'd probably still be in it because I'd know no difference um, yeah. where the, the military gives you great kind of key skills yeah. and kind of ability to decision making and see the world and experiences it's yeah. a great experience um, but um, I don't know I think it definitely links into the fact that, that they struggle for numbers like I think maybe I'm probably, probably uh, uh, what would they would have failed yeah. in a year now it's probably taking two years yeah, um, I know the numbers are below and things like that but um, it depends everybody like if, if, if it's my son and he really 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 wanted to go of course you have to yeah. let people make their own decisions right wrong and different you have to let them be the master of either their own success or their own downfall yeah. um, but if he was completely focused on it um, then yeah you'd help him along the way and you'd, you'd encourage him and stuff but um, I'd be more happy if he did like a trade or, or a college background so as I said before I was 26 before I went to college yeah. um, and at that stage um, I was in in the army, I was going to college at night I was going to college three times a week um, yeah. for, for, for 
18 months um, and it's hard yeah. where you're looking at it. And I was in, in college in DCU with people who they were, that, that was their college. So when they weren't in college, they were killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were living the dream, happy out, probably still living in their mom and dad's, that type of thing. But um, it's different, you see, and I used to be looking at them and not that they didn't take it serious as I did, I was saying, I'm going to pay good money for this. Like, yeah. They're probably there. Coming out of your own pocket, right? Yeah, it's, coming, it's hard earned. Yeah, 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 it cost me thousands of quid to go into it. Um, and I was looking saying, I have to see what this is going to do for me and I have to make sure that we pass my exams. Yeah. I, to, I can't be spending, I think I paid up five or six grand. For the uh, first year, was it? Or for yeah, for, for, the, for the 18 months. Like, yeah. But like, if I had left and not passed me, passed me exams, that's down the drain. Like, yeah. um, I had to make sure that I, and you can see a difference people because they were all like, are you going for a drink? I'm like, I'm working tomorrow. Like, <laughs> I'm doing this, so I have a 24 hour duty to do tomorrow. And, and like that, you know, yourself, yeah. you have assignments, you have revision, you're on duty. Although you're, you're ready to go at all times, no matter what duty you're on, head buried in books you're doing this that and the other and yeah. it can be it can be difficult where i'd like to take the young lad out of that situation and i'd love him to either finish school go into a trade yeah. or else go to college but you kind of want him to do something that he's a passion and i'd always look at upon like you wouldn't judge anybody else yeah. but mainly about what i'd, I'd look at me, me me son and say i want him to do something that he's going to love enjoy yeah. like as i said i didn't like school i wasn't mad at the school um, and it's probably part of the reason why I went to the army because I couldn't see myself committing to college. Yeah. My worst fear was having to say four more years, no way, couldn't wait to get out. Like, but when you mature and you get old, you realise, like I'd love to go back now and do, say, night school and learn Irish or learn something. And sometimes yeah. you have to have an experience after school to realise you didn't take from it what you should have taken. But at the end of the day, um, I wouldn't discourage people going. Like yeah. often, even when I was uh, when I was left, say people come to you and say, "Would you be able to have a talk?" My nephew's looking to join. Yeah. I'd never tell them not to join. Yeah. I'd never say. You tell them what to expect. Yeah. And people have often come to you and say, "My uh, son's gone for an interview. What do you think?" Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm delighted to hear people say that. Like, mm. um, and I tell them, like, never be negative about it. Yeah. You have to let people, your negative might be someone else's positive. Yeah. That type of thing, in. and you, you wouldn't want to pigeonhole someone going in with the mindset going, Graham's up to tell me it's going to be this, this, and this, yeah. and then it's not because I don't know what the army is anymore. Like, yeah, like, like eight yeah. years is a long time, like, and sometimes I pinch myself going, I can't believe I'm eight years gone. I met one of the lads from that served in the army probably about three months ago, and he, and he, he says to me, She's about three or four years gone now. I says, I'm eight years gone. Yeah. Oh my god, like, how time goes, it's it a it's flies, it's yeah. so different, like, and um, but I think. If, if, if you had someone who goes in for that five years getting back to it like yeah. if they can get an overseas get the discipline into them and that's the biggest thing that we found like yeah. the discipline the self-discipline and the understanding that your actions have a, an action and a reaction on someone else and that people around you depend on you you have to be true to your word you have to do what you have to do and like as I said and anybody who served with me particularly probably for the first five years of my career I was never a super soldier yeah. nothing like that I did what I had to do. Sometimes was, sometimes was just about did what I had to do. But then when you get this level of maturity, and I think one of the big things in the army, as you probably agree with, is sports and, and a base level of fitness can mean a whole lot to you because yeah, sometimes people go into the army, and I've seen it when I was in recruit training, that people who don't have kind of a base level of fitness struggle. Struggle because the physical side of it can really, really affect them. And they can get down themselves and realistically you're saying to yourself, like when I joined the army, I wouldn't say I was fit, 
where you become, you, you, you get fit. Yeah. And then it was probably my first overseas tour where I really kind of tuned into fitness and, and what the impact that could have on my role as a soldier and your outside yeah. life and things like that. So there's so many things like your self-discipline and all that that you can learn like yeah. in the army. Like I'm, like I'm still very militarian. Like, like yeah. I'm, I say to the young lad all the time, everything has a place. Don't leave stuff on the floor. <laughs> hang that up. Put that there. And it probably annoys the life out of people. Yeah. And probably people, sometimes probably people would look at it upon being too restrictive or too, but you know no different. Like, yeah. Like, so every, like, like what they say, like, pick it up if it falls. Everything has a place. Yeah. Put it back where you got it. All this type of thing and all. But it's although I'm eight years gone, yeah. I'm not in a way. Yeah, psychologically, you're so still in still the army. And like as I said, some people laugh at it, and some people have an understanding of it. But it can probably be annoying for some certain things. Like, yeah, definitely. It also builds really self belief as well. Really, so like you, yeah. probably, you probably wouldn't have had the self belief to go for the promotion. No, and move up the ranks as quick as you did, like in three years. Like, you have to have confidence in your own ability. Like. Um, and as much as I, at times, I do be stressed, um, although I might not show it, sometimes I do show it, sometimes I don't mean to show it, <laughs> but if we come out in other ways, you could be narky and cranky, and sometimes you just want to be left alone. Like, mm. like I'm lucky enough, I've an office by myself now, which is great in a way, because you can you, you can bury your head and get worked on, yeah. and things like that. Um, but like sometimes you want to chat with people, you now I'd float around, I'd, have, I'd be around depots, and yeah. Red Cow, I'd base the Red Cow, I'd be around all different places, like sometimes you, you sometimes you need to be in a group environment and understand and listen to discussion. I'd always go into the canteen where the drivers are and the other staff make me coffee. I always making me business. To, I always make it. It's probably very simple things like I I I make me business to know people's names. Yeah. Two things with thing. I'd always think it's very important to know people's names and I'd like to know one personal thing about them. Yeah. Like I'd like to be able if someone's having like an, an issue at home, you'd say if they have a family member who's ill. You have to understand that because, like, say someone driving a tram with a 10 minute delay to, to one person, oh, they're not on time and this has this impact now. Sometimes I've been in that position. I drove trams with 10 minutes delay yeah. when my father was ill. Sometimes I had to leave trams in town in Conley and Belgard because, say, say he, he'd been taken to hospital. What do people have these things? And, yeah. and you can't judge a book by its cover that everything has a, 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 that kind of thing. But, like, I think you definitely have to have to know people's names because it's a respect thing as well like, yeah. like and it's easy for I think lads from Dublin it's very easy nine times out of ten you walk past someone how we pal how's things but that type of thing but you have to know people's names yeah. um, and it's a very small small percentage of a thing that you have but I think like if we walk past someone who not who ranks you but in a higher grade or higher role and they yeah. say how are you grand how's things you feel like yeah, part of the team, part of the team where if you're walking past someone and say the wrong name how are you Peter if the name's John kind of thing like that small things like if yeah. someone called me a wrong name, we go here eight years. Like, do you think you'd know my name? Like that yeah. type of thing. But it's nice to know people. And like I know a lot about. And my go-to would be the drivers, right? Obviously, because I was a driver. I was one of them, two hundred odd drivers. Yeah. I'd understand them. I know the hardships that they have, and and kind of the how would you explain it? Like the misrepresentation that they may get sometimes and in society and things like that. But like you think of it, like. We've all dealt with the, the COVID aspect. Like, we ran a full service. All through COVID? All through, the only transport company in the whole of mainland Europe that ran a full service through COVID. Now, the trams may have eight people instead of 380 people, yeah. but they still ran. Still like yeah, 
like at the end of the day, you think about the lines, like the red line, you have James's Hospital, you have Pala Hospital, yeah, you have St. Patrick's Hospital, you have all these people need to go places. Yeah. Like I know decisions were made in the HSE and things like that, but we were in a position where we were able to transport frontline workers and people who needed it to get to work, whether they were off work or work from home, and I know it's a very different society now, post-COVID and pre-COVID, even hybrid work, and it's like a thing now, and before it was like work from home. And myself, I was in operations, we never worked from home through COVID, I was in the offices, in the depots, I was here, there and everywhere. But I think um, if you understand your workforce and even down to simple things like know people's names and like something that I'd always do. Get the basics right. Get the basics right. Lay a foundation. If you give people your time, they'll give you your time back. And like we train drivers in groups of four. So we have one trainer and four, four trainers at, at one time. So that's yeah. your ratio, one to four. So like at the end of their eight weeks, we will always, always, always go down when they're finishing up their last day and speak to them. And I'd always tell them, like it's not gloating or anything, but I'd always say to them, "Oh, he was you eight years ago." Like, yeah. Because oh, not the same people, I'm not saying see or nothing. Like people would see me go around and like in kind of smart, casual kind of clothes, and yeah. they're in their uniform and bits like that. And like they probably see it as like not everybody, but like senior manager. If you're if you're not an understanding of something, someone's a senior manager, you think, "Oh, why not?" Like we came from a council state. We came from. Yeah. A normal, very normal upbringing, like born from Dock and grew up still living Dock, that type of thing. It's not as if we're rocking in, 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 into things. Like, and I'd always talk to them, say, you have to, people have to understand, and you always have to have light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I'd be looking at other jobs above me saying, I could do that, I want yeah. to do that. And you want people coming in not to think, I'm going to drive forever. You're not going to drive forever. You want to drive forever, you'll drive forever. Yeah. But sometimes you need a couple of years, you might go through the ranks. And yeah. um, we have people in other grades that are in the same level as me, that are in the instant manager, all that are ex, ex army, some from the military police, some of them from like we have members of staff from like the ranger wing, if all this type of people, like, yeah, and like it's great for people to see. So we go down to the group of four when they finish and the other trainers there, and I'd always talk to them and say, like, my name's Brian, why do this job? Because yeah. if they understand what you do, you do and you don't just walk past in the corridor, because it can be very like yeah. ghostly if even like, you always have to have a, at the end of the day, I'd like to think that I have a very good rapport with all grades, all staff. I'd like, if I don't know someone's name, I might ask someone else and we say, I don't know, what's that chap's name or what's that girl's name or yeah. whatever. You understand it. And sometimes you say, how are you, John? And they're, oh, how are you? How are things? And they're surprised you're not our name. But like, yeah. at the end of the day, it's sometimes it's the sm- very small things that get people on board. Yeah. And it, I definitely think it's a team environment and a team ethic that I took from the army yeah. in regards to yeah definitely definitely understand understand the, the, your kind of general population of people like yeah but yeah and if someone wants to become a Lewis driver then right because I know it's not like going bus it's not like Abbott's or something no. how do they, how do they become a Lewis driver um generally they would know someone who works there yeah like I've often had people come up to me and and you're explaining the role and like different types of things and, and generally what they would do is now I know it would be on a day now which yeah. is the Lewis the Lewis has never really been a job where they struggled for staff like struggled yeah. for employees it was always like the opposite like your your application or CD could be a needle in a haystack like, yeah. um, and I know people have said to you that they've applied and they might they get to say, we, we received your CV, we get back to you. 
could be months before I got back to you. Like, yeah. And you're probably surprised. Some people have moved on to other roles, other jobs and stuff like that. But, excuse me, um, the, 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 the best thing to do would be, if you don't know someone, um, like put in your CV, send an email, go onto the Transdev website, there'll be links there. Yeah. But now, like you think, that the Lewis there since 2003, very few people probably don't know someone who works in the Lewis. As I said, like it's 800 plus employees, people who have worked for them have left in other jobs and this type of thing. But uh, like probably what I did. Yeah. It's well, great to have someone who not who, who was in the company, but there. outside of that, send in your CV, like, yeah. and that's just... Is the turnover going in, in Transdevor? Uh, not massively, no, yeah, no. It's like, like, yeah, like, we've drivers that are there since before the Lewis, what's the Lewis, like, yeah. and, 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 like, the original groups went to Sweden to try and, because there was no tram to, to get trained up on a tram. To get trained up on a tram, yeah, yeah. so they would have went, and we would have had trainers over 2003, and um, training the original people, and yeah. The vast majority of them are still there, like so. They're like, like the years are like, you know, when you're like, you know, when you're talking to a young lad in the army, only you're trained and you're, you're a great lad, but 10 years or so, the first 10 years of the hardest because there's no drivers there you would that like the first 20 the hardest, that type of thing. Yeah. So it's very similar the in that sets. way, the all sorts, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you have them, and then you have other people who are newer and stuff like that. But um, like it's one of them things where there's just such a vast array of people from yeah. all walks of life. Similar, as I said, I said at the start, Lewis drivers and Lewis staff and the army are very similar. Yeah. There's some lads from flat complexes in town, rural Ireland, Mullingar, Balbriggan, up the north, all over the place who come, who will be there, travel from their, their home to Lewis or else have them move, and this is the, the yeah. thing. So, very similar, uh, kind of, yeah, the, yeah. very similar. Like, Do they, so, you mentioned earlier that you have a um, so I'm obviously two more questions are around then. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, you ten people from the army um, that have joined like Transdev or Lewis. Is, since me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there like um, a veterans program like in Transdev, like to no. integrate like army in, or is it no? The same it's, it's definitely it's, it's definitely something that jumps off a of CV. Like if I'm yeah. if I'm and, and like and people I look through CVs for drivers and stuff like that, and generally if I'm not looking through it and army is on it, yeah, the people in HR would generally reach out and say. Do you know this flowers? Do you know this girl? Yeah. Do you know anything about them and stuff? Because it's a big, like, it's a big output, both time and financially, to train someone to be, say, a Lewis driver or whatever. Yeah. And as I said, it's not something where you want to put eight weeks into someone and go 24 yeah. 7 into them for them not to be the right candidate. They have to be the right candidate. Yeah. But, like, as I said, I said, yeah, like, probably since I've started in the Lewis, it's probably, I'd say, up to about 10 people have joined. Right. And a lot of them would have been talking to me about it, have applied previously and say, you know, apply again and give people a helping hand where you can. Yeah. As I said, don't care where you came from and bring as many on the journey as you can. Yeah. If you can help someone out by all means. But um like it's definitely something that jumps off a of C V. Yeah. Whether that's me in, in in an operations manager's role looking at someone looking to be a driver or someone looking for promotion that has a military background. The same way if it's anything, if it's a yeah. it's, if it's a warehouse because you know you're generally getting you know you're discipline, yeah. timekeeping, attendance, yeah. three of the basic core things that you yeah. want in any workforce. You want people to be on time, you want them to attend work, yeah. and you want them to have discipline. And an understanding that if you give them a set of criteria, like say 10 things that they need to do as a, as a tram driver, you need to stick to the 10 of them. 
I definitely find people in the military are able to adapt and take that on board. Yeah. Much easier than maybe some people who never served. I'm not saying people who never served can't, but it's definitely something that I think anybody in any walk of life, if they have a CV that has military service on it, whether that's one year or 10 years or 14 years or 21 years, exactly. it definitely, definitely stands out. And I think I've rarely in my job come across anything negative. Rarely, you always have one or yeah, two. You're never going to, everybody's perfect. But I'd say my view on it would be people from the military are most, most welcome, very, yeah. very welcome applying for jobs because you know you're going to get the yeah. core things from them. Were you the first one? Um, no. In, not no, the army into no, so there's people before me like that I probably wouldn't have known. Yeah. Lads who did 30 years in the army, left and drove to Lewis. Other lads, we, as I said, we people from the MPs, energy police who were in it. Um, other people that maybe I would have been known, but over the years, I'd talk to them and they'd say, oh, you, I used to be in the army. Yeah. Yeah. Like, stuff like that. But you definitely see the difference in them. Like, yeah. I think actually it's not military police, right? I actually I'm only starting to recognise it in, like in the last kind of twelve months, right? Military police are becoming like the most re-employable people in civilian history. It's not very well educated. Yeah, uh, like, like you have the investigation people, side of things. Absolutely, massive, yeah. Like we, deal with, we deal with we deal with which is the railway accident investigation unit. If there's a, if there's an incident or anything like that, so that was I didn't know any of that. Like I never had to deal with any of that in the army, but now I know what what it is, what's reportable, what's not reportable. But you find people in the military police, whether that's in the Lewis or in any job, they have such a great understanding about safety management, incident management, this type of thing, which is a huge process of procedures. Great process procedures and everything. Like everything you want to hear is process procedures. And you are dictated by that. Yeah. Probably definitely. more so probably you definitely are in the army, maybe not directly. In kind of a way, but a bit more autonomy in the army. Like yeah. You do what you kind of want. Just doesn't matter how you get the job done. Just get Once it done. done. Yeah, yeah. Get your head down. Be yeah. take it out and get on up the road, kind of thing. Like yeah. we're outside in two street, and it's definitely things that you have to adapt to come from a military point of view. That it's it's not like by all means possible. It's like no, you have to do it, but you have to do this, 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 and yeah. this to get there. And you're going okay, yeah. Um, and that's it. Like you don't have that wiggle room or, or freedom. But um, it's definitely like as you said, like. You have people come from the military police who have a great expertise in accident investigation, crash investigation, post incident management, which is all huge things. And I'm talking from a Lewis background yeah. and like a, 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 an incident manager background that these are huge. Like, like yeah. and, and it's well, it's probably a credit to myself where I, I could, from a minute I could take them skills from the military into role. Like people would say, Jesus, you got promoted very quick, and they yeah. did. And look. None of it was easy. Like you Not have to work hard. Like at yeah. the end of the day, whatever people's opinions you are, and like obviously, when I go from a driver's role to a, a, an instant manager role after eighteen months, it's great for me. Yeah. Obviously, some people weren't happy. He could have been there 10, 15, 20 years, and the attitude could have been, "How was he doing that?" And there's a bit of jealousy towards and stuff. But yeah. at the end of the day, if you do the job and do the job right and show people that you were the right candidate for it, yeah. I think people people will always have opinions yeah. no matter what whether you are doing the best thing in the world or the worst thing people will always have opinions and you have to let them have that uh, at the end of the day once it doesn't impact you on how you do your job like I wouldn't let someone's negativity towards me impact how I do my job yeah. because I'm com- like that as we spoke about competent in your own ability and competent in my ability I know if I have a job to do what to do how to do it and how to go about it and I'll always be that like 
as I said, there's some people that do my job who are in their fifties and sixties. Yeah. And thirty seven. So you're never you yeah. can never make twenty years on someone. It's just oh. not possible. But if you show the people around you and the people that you work for that you are able to do what you have to do. Yeah. And which is definitely something that the confidence that I took with me from the army because I was confident in what I had to do in the army, I was confident yeah. in the abilities. I knew my boundaries. I yeah. knew what I wasn't good at, as I said, my breeding, radio, <laughs> things like that. Brilliant, brilliant. There's things in my job now, and my, probably my biggest downfall would be technology. Like, right. probably Excel, all this type of thing. I can get it done, I might have to say, Here, Connor, how do I do this? Or you might do something with spreadsheets and things like that, especially when it comes to finances, because you know. At the very bottom right, this is what all the rest of the stuff has to amount to. Yeah. And you're going looking at this thing like a minefield going, oh God. No, I'm more confident now, but definitely at the start. At the yeah. start, like emails, all that fine stuff like that. But even you look at that, I let the army not know not down, not know yeah, how to send an email. Kind of I never had an office job. Yeah. They only do that like like in transport you did documentation, but it was all paper format. Yeah. But now society and and, and and jobs have moved away. Like you don't have paper format. Like in the days we work off dashboards, we work off apps on work phones, we work off dashboards on laptops. We do all this type of thing, and it's you're able to monitor what you're doing. Things yeah. go up, things go up. KPIs, that type of thing. Where in the army was real. Like even you put twenty quid worth of diesel into a car, it was obvious you have to sign it, and they have to sign it, and this thing. yeah, it's all so documented and written and hand. You probably saying this thing. Like I need to keep your paper format for what five years your GDPR oh, all this type of thing yeah. but um, it's definitely stuff I'm more comfortable now but it's probably something I'm never going to be fantastic at is like yeah. technology and dealing with it now I can put PowerPoint together I can do things like that I've relied heavily on people around me in past years where now yeah. I can do it myself yeah. I'm not going to be teaching anybody to do it <laughs> yeah. but like I can get myself out of a hole yeah, true, yeah. yeah and you have to understand your own downfalls and your pitfalls and what you are good at and one of the big things is you have to know how to ask for help. Yeah, true. You have to always be able to say and understand, right, well, you could do this myself and it'd be, it'd be grand. But sometimes <laughs> grand is not good enough. No, you no. only have to say, listen, I know you asked me to get back to you in three days with this. Yeah. Is there any chance you give me five days because I need to do it? And be honest with people. Yeah, just say, have to use the system. Yeah, say, I'm going to have to ask Joe Blogs to help me do this in order. Yes, I'm not saying I'm not doing it, but can you give me a little bit of extra time and take into consideration that? I'll be honest, and I'd always say to people, even when I went for jobs, they'd yeah. always say to you, what's your biggest strength and weakness? And I'd say weakness would definitely be like working with technology. Not that they can't do it. Yeah. And they do understand, like I'm there nearly eight years, as I said, and it's like they understand what I can and can't do. Yeah. I go into senior management meetings now, I have all my statistics, all my figures, and it's one of them things, I probably have too much information now because yeah. I'm saying they're not going to catch me up. <laughs> you know? And it's probably a real put the safety barrier around you, yeah. which is great in a way. You're never going to leave yourself all open. Yeah, it's better yeah. looking at it than looking for it. Right? Absolutely. I'd rather be asked the question and be able to answer it because there's nothing worse than yeah. in a room full of 15 people, someone saying, and what was this for? And you're going, I'll have to get back to you there. Yeah. Like, I'd rather say it's because of this and the reason it's so low is because of X, Y, and Z that you probably didn't take into consideration because you have to think of this. Yeah. And there's always, if you have your, yeah, and I, one thing I definitely am is I'm, when I go into meetings, I generally either know what they're going to ask me and have it prepared or be able to if I'm caught off guard, I'd like to think that I build a very good knowledge anytime that I can answer it. Yeah. The best ability, and I'd always say to them, like the army, I don't know the answer, but I'll get back to you. And you always definitely like your word. Yeah. You have, if you say to someone, I'm going to get back to you, 
I'd walk out of office straight back upstairs and go, right, and get it and give say apologies about not having that information. Here it is now, and the reason it is X, Y, and Z. And you have to be about your uh, your words. And if you're going to tell someone, you're going to do it. Not be just to, yeah, I'll, I'll forward that onto you and good luck. You yeah. have to be because next time then you could be genuine, get caught off guard, you say to them. Oh yeah, I get you in the room. Yeah, like you were the last time kind of thing. Yeah, you have to be a man of your word or a woman of your word and do your do yeah, your right, best. Yeah. Be dependable and giving you information that they're looking for. Like. Oh, I think that wraps it up. You have enough. Yeah, have enough. Anything else that you want to cover? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm full. Yeah, well, yeah. that. Thanks very much. Have enough that that I was able to, as I said, I always like having a yak with people. I'd often be in in, in the house and this obviously people who work with that as I said I was in the army and we'd be yapping away and telling stories and people would be in pure disbelief like you'd be yeah, telling them stories about recruit training and, and, play a book for you and they're going oh my god <laughs> and they're going oh it's just an army you'd be laughing about it now yeah. you're probably crying about it when I was seventeen, <laughs> eighteen, yeah. back in 2004 slowly slowly dying to death yeah. but um, it's definitely things where I, I always like I always always as I said I think it helps that I still have some of my best mates some great pals that are still in the army be talking and be telling oh, someone be saying you've been out the right time and all this type of thing but others then still love it you have to take that and it's, yeah. it is a career for people but I always love talking about the army I probably still talk about it too much as I said my young flu out of every 10 questions nine would be about <laughs> the army and yesterday is that an air car helicopter yeah did you ever jump out with them and all this type of thing which is great because you'd say yeah we did yeah. all this type of thing which is experiences that you take in the army and you leave it as yeah. that's the run of the mill normal but the people outside like that what did you do what was your last role in the army drove tanks where did you drive and drove them in Lebanon drove them through Beirut the border up here there and everywhere and it's like whoa my god yeah. but to you it's like sometimes you have it's to live awful, to realise what you've done yeah. and it's definitely something that I think military people and ex-soldiers really need to give themselves more of a pat on the back and have a realisation to how much of a credit they are to themselves their employer and their family then they actually give themselves credit for yeah. because it's easy to just think sure yeah well it was what it was or well, I was told to do it so I did it no but you did it like, you did it and and you're a credit to yourself and, and I definitely think people leave the army with a certain level of confidence but they should be more yeah. confident in what they did because they did make a difference and it can yeah. be very easily forgotten about whether that was here whether that was in the city whether that was in Dublin on the border whether that was in Beirut Chad Kosovo, Libya, Liberia, Mali, anything like that, Irish people and Irish soldiers have made a difference and that might be forgotten about by some people, but yeah. it won't be forgotten about by the people who make it, make it possible. Yeah. So it's definitely something that I always tell people, be confident and, and appreciate what you give. And that's why you yeah. like to see people when they live do well. Yeah, saying, they're at the given time to this country, as, as cheesy as it sounds. I know the yeah, Americans yeah. are heroes in it and they yeah. always, they treat their veterans very well, yeah. but sometimes with the with the Irish and the ex-military it's also you know, way, which is yeah. not the way to go because it's all an important time to people who are in their 60s, 70s and 80s. Fantastic experience, fantastic input that they get to the country and the defence force and the army and stuff. But people in the authorities left as well. And they yeah. need to, sometimes you need to reach out and see if they're all right as well. And yeah. as I said, some people leave and they do great for themselves. Some people don't and they should get the same input post-military as they did in it and as well as people like the great organized uh, situations like the ONA and the Veterans Association fantastic yeah. and I'm like don't refer to myself as a veteran like and people yeah. say never that never that, yeah. never like you think veterans are the lads who are on one the walking stick one, 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 one and all this type of thing who, who, who are in 
all these countries back in the 50s and 60s and 70s and all, they're veterans, I'm not a veteran, but at the end of the day, as I said, I'm 27, I left when I was 31, I am a veteran, sometimes you have to think about it that way, yeah. the same way you are, the same way everybody else who lives is, and I suppose they're a credit to themselves and they, they should really feel more proud of what they did yeah. than probably some give themselves credit for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.